Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. We are powered by the Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. This podcast is our eddy in the rushing waters of local journalism. We are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us chat with the people who shape our local community. I am Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source, and here with me today is Donna Britt, who is uh, my co-pilot for this podcast, which uh, we're going to be talking to Anthony Paponi. He is the CEO and founder of Focus on the 40 and is an expert in positive psychology, the applied science of human happiness. He has called Bend, Oregon home for three years, loves his community, and serves on the boards of Boys and Girls Club of Bend and Commute Options. When he is not working, you'll find Anthony outdoors being frequently humbled by nature in all forms on trails, rivers, and slopes, or holding a microphone as MC, improv performer, and stand-up comedian. Anthony, thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm ready for the joke. I mean, you're a stand-up comedian, right? <laughs> I, I, I'd have to charge you for that, so I'm oh, sorry. Sure. I didn't realize that was going to be required. I didn't bring any money, sorry. <laughs> I, I just want to preface our listeners that uh, we have had a month and a half of smoke, and we're doing the best we can with our voices as we go forward, but uh, there's yeah. definitely a little rasp happening, and... Uh, don't hold it against us. Yeah, I've got a little ZZ top coming out. Of yeah. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, we were commenting yeah, before great. we started. I kind of like it. I kind of yeah. like that husky, you know, yeah. smoke to pack a camel scene. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a more masculine podcast today. <laughs> it's good to have you here, Donna. Oh, uh, good. Um, so, Anthony, tell us about Focus on the 40. Uh, sure. Uh, Focus on the 40. The the work that I do with that uh, is, is twofold. Uh, half of it is professional speaking, usually at a, a conference or a trade association, something like that. You know, keynote presentations, those sort of things. Then the other half of it is workplace consulting around the culture, and um, you know, it's it's positive psychology based, so it's about human happiness. And the framing for workplaces is that a lot of workplaces are not happy, and there's a, an op- opportunity for people to be happier in the work that they're doing. Um, and so, just kind of like reframing that and saying, yeah, there's like legitimate hard parts to this work thing we do, and if we can understand those things and actually work on making some of the hard parts easier, um, then I think we can be more productive, more engaged, enjoy our work more, find more joy and uh, fulfillment through that. So what does that mean, focus on the 40? Oh, yeah. So more specifically, um, thank you for the question. Uh, the focus on the 40 comes from one of the research studies in positive psychology where they were able to do a series of twin studies, and they were able to look at the genetic influence on happiness, and then they were able to look at, through other studies, um, how much of our happiness is within our control. So about 50% of our happiness is genetically driven. So if either of you have miserable parents, yeah. uh, you started with a lower set point on your happiness. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, my threshold is dropping. Every, every time I say that to an audience, <laughs> so you can see see some people out there being like, they could, uh, just thinking about their mother and yeah. mother, you know. I'm thinking about what I've done to my own children. <laughs> but I'm so happy that I annoy them. Right, anyway, well, go ahead. The, the fortunate thing is it's malleable, right? So okay. through the process of neuroplasticity, we know that we can shape our happiness. We can change our brains in a lot yeah. of ways, including uh, to experience more happiness. Um, so that's 50% is genetic. 10% is life circumstance. And what's really interesting about that segment is that we put an outsized influence in our own mind on how important those things are. And yeah. we say things like, I'll be happy when, mm. and it could be, I'll be happy when I'm married, or I have kids, or I get a degree, or I get a raise, or I get mm. a new house, or a, and we know that those circumstances have combined only about 10% of the variability in happiness, so that massive data sets around the world. And so they're able to kind of tease out what these things are that make people happy and what don't really change their happiness that much. So that leaves the 40% of intentional action. And so focusing on the 40 is getting people to focus on the things within their control of what they can do to impact their happiness in a way that is like durable. 
And so it provides longer lasting happiness than maybe buying a new TV would. Not, not that there's anything wrong yeah. with TVs. Yeah, but they, we all, or most people, most of us know how transitory that kind of happiness is. Yeah. Eventually, you know, you're really excited when you get it out of the box yeah. and you have a good couple weeks and then it's just your TV again. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just up on the wall. I'm surprised that number's so low, 10%. Yeah. You it's, know, that's an incredibly small number mm-hmm. compared to your mom. And it's not just... <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Aaron's falling back on that one, so... Yeah. I think we, and uh, being the mom in the room, I'm, like, really yeah. suffering over here. I'm just saying. Sorry. Yeah, it's... um, And, and I think it's... There's a lot of variability, right? I mean, the beautiful thing about human beings is we're incredibly complex. And so what what could make a real difference for you in your happiness through a circumstantial thing or a materialistic thing um, could be less impactful for other people. So what does make up that 40%? What are the things? I mean, obviously, you can yeah. break it down yeah. to say, focus on what exactly? Well, it's 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 a lot of things. And uh, those things can be at scale, too. And I think that's what's really important about happiness. Um, and and I think even happiness, is it requires some definition maybe before we move forward in that. Um, mm-hmm. To say that it, it's a combination of the highs in life are great, right? We should experience elation and joy. They are not neurochemically available to us, those those moments of elation and joy. They're not neurochemically available to us all the time without the use of illegal drugs. And that's not what I'm promoting as the 40%. Um, but the – so there's that scale. So we can have these moments of feeling really great. And then 20 minutes later, they're like, oh, I'm back at this – point in between the highs and the lows mm-hmm, and we're right. meant to experience the lows toxic positivity is a real thing we're meant to feel all the range of emotions and it's signals from our brain trying to, to tell us something right and ideally we can demystify what that is um and then happiness also comes at scale and time as far as like some of the things that you need to work on that could really impact your happiness i moved to ben three years ago i'm much happier living in ben now it mm. took me a while to make the decision to move. It took me a while to get ingrained in my new community and find and build and craft the things that are making me happy now. And so there's these things we can play with at scale that trigger our happiness in the moment, micro moments, and things that will have more durable happiness um, impacts on our happiness over time. It's I'm just so fascinated by this whole thing because just of all the things yeah. like you know I think about these things all the time but just to hear you talk about it and to know that it's down to there there's 40% that we can actually do something about is pretty exciting news if you ask me yeah. it's it's bigger than what people think and know? i think too when i was younger i always thought it was like outside things mm-hmm. and i'm always saying it's an inside job that's mm-hmm. what i've learned is that it isn't about the tv or the shopping or the meal i just had or whatever those mm-hmm. all can be fun mm-hmm. but the true kind of i would call it more like contentment or mm-hmm. many many joys or just the the, the baseline happy mm-hmm. it it feels to me like and correct me if i'm wrong that it really is about things inside and really getting to know yourself and what what um, makes you tick mm-hmm. uh, the things that you connect with maybe it's planning a garden or for me it's like baking mm-hmm. or or whatever and really getting to know yourself better and doing more of those things does that make sense oh yeah absolutely um, I, I think that's the other thing we can get lost in is like uh, oh these other people look happy doing this thing I don't really want to do that and, <laughs> and I don't think that's gonna make me happy like my girlfriend loves hiking I hate hiking. I love being outside, but every time I'm hiking, I'm like, you know what would be awesome on this trail? A bike. A mountain. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and so that's yeah. like, and I understand that about me. And so, and now what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to lie to yourself when you're looking at what other people are doing that could be making them happy. And you're like, I don't want that. That won't make me happy. 
but it's embedded in fear or it's mm. disguised as practicality, right? Like those sort of things. And you give up on dreams and hopes because they feel impossible or distant or really uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the big things with happiness is that there's there's these micro moments where we can move towards becoming better at something. And if we do that in really small increments, we don't even notice it in ourselves. We're just different people yeah. five years from now because of these little moves we've made. Or there can be these really catalytic things that happen in our lives that really change us uh, for the good or for the bad as, as you think about your happiness. Um, but I think you have to pay really close attention to like, are, am I being real with myself? Am I not lying to myself about what I would really like and what could really make me happy? Um, and one of the things that I use as an activity, and one of those categories, you look at your life in different domains, and then you, and I use it every year on my birthday. It sets me a really nice foundation, and we talked about happiness at scale. Um, if I go back to it year over year, I can say, oh, look at all the things that have changed in the last year, some that are good, some that are bad, and some that took a year to change that I'm happier because of now. Um, and so I got off my train of thought there, but here well, we go. Well, one of the things you, you kind of point to is, you know, I mean, the biggest you know, catalytic event is uh, the pandemic. Yeah. And I mean, I noticed <clears throat> one of the things that jumped off the page to me during that time was the explosion in people downloading, you know, meditation apps and, you know, looking to technology and, and these kind of outlets because everybody was experiencing this uh, reassessment of their values, mm -hmm. you know, with so much of that 40% stripped away, mm -hmm. you know, where, what were you going to backfill? And so <clears throat> in some ways, I think it was, you know, I've seen some people and they, they took that time and they, you know, they're focusing on loneliness and isolation mm. and what happened. But I've seen on the flip side, the people are like, hey, this is a great time for me to like figure out what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And and it's been a surge in, in my own interest is, you know, you know, why are people, you know, suddenly and is this a positive thing? You know, is it coming out of the pandemic? Is there a, you know, movement towards, you know, I'm going to I am actually going to reconfigure my you know, work, yeah. personal life and stuff to be happier. Whereas mm -hmm. I think before people were just, I don't know, maybe it was background noise. That's the only way I can describe it is not being so f concerned about it because we were rolling along. We didn't know that everything we took for granted could be stripped away in a, mm -hmm. you know, governor's edict on mm -hmm. the, you know, the next week. Yeah, it's, I, I think it cuts I'm going to say both ways. I think it cuts a million different ways depending on the people. You know, some people, it's stripped away uh, identity. Like work is a big part of our yeah. identity, our our perceived value, our dignity. And that was gone for a lot of people, including myself. You know, like I, my work requires groups of people gathering inside of sure. rooms. And that was gone for a while. And I was like, well, what do I do? What do, what do I do to reconnect with providing value? I, I, I have a history of as a fundraiser. So I was writing grants for my local food pantry, you know for free and but I was contributing in my own yeah. way um, other people like leaned in so hard on their work that and work became virtual which has its blessings but it also has its curses of like creating, sure. like creating that work-life boundary and then you strip away some of these things that that honestly I think they're hard things for us to do and we're declining we were declining this way before the pandemic as social engagement um, you know people are going to and I'm not religious but people were going to less faith-based organizations people were less vol less volunteerism less engagement in social groups mm -hmm. that was all declining before and then it got stripped away and it's it's a little it's one of the harder things for a lot of people is to lean into stepping into social things because mm -hmm. it's super easy to turn on the tv and be engaged until you want to go to bed 
Um, but there's real richness in, in life by being more engaged. And, and we know that like the happiest people in the world, um, Denmark is the second happiest country in the world. I went there last summer. Um, on average, their citizens are involved in 2.8 social groups per person on average. Wow. So think about that. Like yeah. th- all that social So connection. yeah, let's talk about what is yeah. happiness because we sure. are, you know, it's a word that's thrown around and we all think we know, oh yeah, happy, ha ha. But what is ha- what does it mean to be happy? What does it all mean, Donna? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, you it's know. It's not the, TV in the evening, I think. I, it's not Family Feud? <laughs> Come on. It can be. I mean, if nothing else, just by comparison being like, wow, that person's a lot dumber than me. That was a pretty obvious question. Um I, I mean, we can find happiness in TV. You know, we enter yeah. flow state, you know. So there, there's five parts to, that have been defined for human happiness. And the model uh, by Dr. Martin Seligman is, is called PERMA. So it's an acronym. P is positive emotions. We should feel them. We should understand where they come from. We should understand they're fleeting, um, that they metabolize, like these positive feelings metabolize. E is engagement. So that's flow state that came forward by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who's not passed on. Um, about getting in these moments where we lose track of time. Things are effortless. We're engaged in what we're doing. We don't necessarily feel happy in the moment, but in retrospect, we're like, wow, I just, I just, I don't know, three hours just went by. That was really interesting, you know. R in PERMA is relationships. It's probably the most significant thing that you can do to affect your happiness in an adorable way is to have positive life-enhancing relationships in your life. Um, your community selection is critical around that because that's where your relationships are. Your workplace selection is critical for that because that's where your relationships are. Um, M is meaning, so it's about mastery, growth, achievement, uh, and well, an A is achievement. Um, you know, so that's that's what the model looks like. Now, if you want to peel it apart in a different way, one of the people that I really um, I love his work is Dr. Dan Butner. He was the uh, originator of Blue Zones, and the mm-hmm. first study was on longevity. The second study was on happiness, and so he stu- he was basically reverse engineering where the happiest people on the planet live, and that's where the World Happiness Report and all those things have come from. He says, you know, this this thing about what's what is happiness is like. Well, can you look at your moment in between the highs and the lows, right? And can you look at it at scale, and can you say three things like I have pride in my life, I have purpose in my life, and I have pleasure in my life, and what's that look like? What's that feel like? And you can have a lot of like. Um, like you can experience these highs. I love professional speaking. I love comedy. I love being on stage. That's a plus 10 moment for me in my life. Uh-huh. And then 45 minutes later, I'm back to where I was before. So how yeah, do I feel? And you're getting the reviews and that's a yeah. minus 10. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Apparently this podcast totally isn't going unfair. as well. I mean, as I'm not of. speaking directly to actually seeing Anthony. I'm just... <laughs> Trust me, there's been plenty of negative 10 reviews. Um, not everybody loves my humor as much as me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so how's that for definition? No, it's it's lovely. I okay. think that's wonderful. I've yeah. never heard it broken down like that. And yeah. so the people in Denmark are happy because they're in more social groups. You said 2.8? Yeah, well, it's, it, so that is three. an element of their happiness, okay. right? Um, one of the other things that ties in with that is they only work about 37 hours a week. And mm. and their work is not super hard. Like, I, I think the expect- they, they it, you're not a hero for trying to work past 5 o'clock. And what that does is it frees you up to have this other life away from work where work is not the only definition. You have time so for family. So kind of more balanced, yeah, not to overuse that word. No, but. it's not an overuse. The Surgeon General just came out with a framework for well-being in the workplace. He uses the frame work-life harmony, mm. which I think gives I us like, like a little more like um, grace around life is dynamic and what feels like harmonious one week is going to be 
Like the best harmony I can achieve this week is this because I've got a sick kid at home mm-hmm. and I've got a dog that has to go to a vet and mom needs to go to the, you know to nursing home. You know, like what harmony looks like in also at scale too. So I think it just creates that a little more like a an honoring of the challenges of human of life as a human. I mean, one of the, <clears throat> I mean, you know, one of the things that you know certainly talked about a lot when we come to happiness and America in particular is social media and phone usage and digital presence. And, you know, I hear so much, so many conflicting things and a lot of it's age-based and Mm -hmm. I I try not to get into, you know, those damn kids and their phones, but (laughs) the... Well, you don't sound old when you say that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, what what are your findings and what, you know, what are people saying about the kind of, I, I mean, I think the isolation thing is pretty real. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, St. Charles just took it on as an initiative you mm-hmm. know, to add it in and, and to recognize it. Um, it. I think the science is fairly clear for teens and tweens that social media is really dangerous, you know, that it's it can be really painful um, for them because that they don't maybe have the sense of worth that we arrive at later in life to take to take those hits, you know, and, and even like this isn't a sales pitch for Boys and Girls Club, but right around the corner. Like that's, I think what's really incredibly important about that program is that sense of self-worth because life is going to come at you, you know, and you need to feel good about who you are as you try to make better decisions for yourself or good decisions in general. Um, I I think with anything, it's what you, what you're looking to get out of it. So I think social media is really nice for me to stay connected to people that aren't around me. Mm -hmm. Um, but it shouldn't be a surrogate for the people that are around me and the opportunity to be around other people. And Sure. Was it a great thing during the pandemic, like to to have this ability to stay connected to people when we couldn't do it face to face? Sure. I think it's a bad surrogate for human interaction. Mm -hmm. Our brains love us being around other people. Our brains love the silly things like going to Safeway and talking to the cashier. (laughs) Um, Our brains love the silly things of like saying hi to people in the street and meeting a dog and talking to the dog and forgetting (laughs) to talk to the human. You know, like those are really good, important moments for our happiness. And um so I think it's all in a balance. Like you were talking, we've talked about TV before. I don't think TV is necessarily a bad thing. The happiest people overall watch TV for about less than an hour a day, typically. Um, can you still find tons of enjoyment in doing that? Yeah. Example, like TV doesn't have to be a bad thing as a material thing. But if you buy a TV and you buy a sound system and you, for me, as an extrovert that likes to be around people that loves watching sporting events, you know, um, if I can use that as a gathering tool to bring people to my house and share food with them and you know, like it's now this materialistic thing actually has real uh, tangible benefit, recurring tangible benefit to my happiness over time. Right. Yeah. Because it's not you interacting with the TV. It's you uh, interacting with the people in the room who came to watch your TV. Well, there's sometimes I do just yell at the TV during the <laughs> no, sporting I, events. Yeah, yeah. yeah. where you been, Aaron? Yeah. I know you like sports. Hey, Come now on. we're talking about my dad. So. And that, there's that 20% of the thing I can't change. So, so if you if you're consulting a workplace and 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 wanting to help them change their culture because they've figured out that boy, people that work here just aren't happy. Yeah. Um, how how do you how do you change that? How do you how can a how does a culture? What do you need to do to take steps to make people happy where you are, where you work, or your yeah. family, or anywhere? Well, anywhere, right? Any group of people working sure. together. This can be nonprofits, it can be boards of directors, whatever that is. Um, you know, this, that's it's a really complex question because I said before, human beings are really complex. Collections of human beings are it's it's you know exponentially harder to do that. 
Um, usually it's establishing some sort of an understanding or a baseline of what's going on, getting some real feedback from people that maybe can point out some patterns. So there, usually when I'm working with a group, I, I talk to someone and I'm, it's usually a CEO or somebody high up and they're saying, this is what our problem is with our team. And the, the CEO keeps pointing at everybody else except for himself or herself. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do to make this place happier? How are they going to change? Yeah. And so Donna didn't tell you this, but this is actually an intervention for you, Aaron, <laughs> right. about the More. source. Birthday parties. More birthday parties. More cake. That's how we do it. More cake, yeah. Yeah. Sugar highs are carry you through for a while. Um, Yeah, so I I think trying to figure out where people are and what the baseline is. And and a lot of it is like giving people fluency around things. And what I mean by that is like fluency about how they're feeling, like being able to label their emotions, fluency about what they're good at, fluency about what they're bad at, fluency about like ways to talk about what they're experiencing in a group and what's not working. And so getting everybody to share you know, using different assessments and things like that, that get people to talk about the same thing. And um, because it's not like we don't come out of the womb with a, a handbook on life or a handbook on work or mm. a handbook on good leadership. You know, I think one of the big things that's that a lot of my clients are experiencing is, you know, the great resignation to Aaron's point before was, we reevaluate our lo- our lives, and some people said, "You know what? I'm pretty close to retirement. Bye bye. See ya. You know, mm-hmm. I don't need this anymore." Um, and that created a real opportunity with so many seasoned people leaving the workforce. There was a lot of elevation of of people in the workplace that maybe didn't have a lot of experience. And somebody that's really great at sales is really great at sales, maybe not really great at running a sales team. Those are two really different things, and you have to backfill the skill for this new elevation. And we also have this really weird artificial construct in society where you make more money when you elevate what your job is. You're a really great teacher. You want to make more money? We need to make you a principal. Those are two really different skill sets. Mm-hmm, and some sure. people would love to be teachers, yeah, but they're point. like, but I can make triple the money, you know, doing this this other thing. So, so it's real dynamic, you know, and you just have to figure out you have to talk to the workplace and try to get real valid information from as many people as you can and then chart a course forward from there. What do you what do you say to people who are, you know, they've identified themselves as unhappy yeah. and they are, you know, <clears throat> ready to move out of that out of that place? Mm-hmm. What's the first steps? I mean, what do you say to people who are like, "Hey, I want to shake this off." What, you know, mm-hmm. how do I start? Yeah. Um Mm, that's a good one. Um, all right, micro theory here, and then jump into it. There's a really good um, theory out there in positive psychology called the broaden and build theory. So if we can experience something good by trying something out, we can broaden and build off of those positive emotions and experience those positive emotions and be more available to more of those positive emotions. Because yeah. happiness can feel weird. Like um, Brene Brown says, there was only two things that we, uh, two emotions we could experience in my family anger or uh, joy, you know, like, and there was nothing in between, you know, and there, you could never be disappointed or upset or, you know, like the, the, there was like, there's no fluency. There's yeah. a very limited spectrum. And so getting people to be comfortable with that too, you know, it's just talking to someone yesterday about um, male vulnerability, you know, and how hard it is for males to be like, to, to be able to say, I'm upset. I, I need to cry. I need you know, like all these things. Right. Um, but I think if you can give people a tool for, making these like micro movements towards happiness and little tiny shifts so they can see some success in in doing these small things and then track it and come back and be like, oh, like over the last two yeah. weeks you did these things um, and I feel better about it now. Um, and one of these is a little bit around, 
it's a little bit about agency, I think. Um, it's a really cool tool. It's a, such a simple tool, but it's been proven to be one of the more powerful ones. Uh, it's called Three Good Things, or sometimes people call it Count Your Blessings. And it's a journaling activity. You do it at night. It's most powerful when you when you actually write. And, um, and you don't have to do it every night for it to be successful. Um, at the end of your day, what are three good things that happened that day? Three good things. They can be big. They can yeah. be small. I went for a walk with my dog. Somebody complimented my work. So Aaron laughed at my joke. You can do that at any point now. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Anthony, I'm cracking up over here. Don't you can with, be happy about that. With, withholding your love. Um, you got to let it out, Aaron. Yeah. I'm laughing. <laughs> He's on, on the inside. Yeah. Thank you, Donna, for supporting me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, notice the omission of other people in the room. Um, but the... Um, and then the other thing that you can do to make that really powerful is you can couple it with something about and, and what are three good things that happened for you that day, and what did you do to make them happen, right? So oh, it's cool! So you can like, sort of see the connection yeah. with yeah. your own yeah. self or your own actions. Intentional actions, forty percent focus on the forty. I like that. Right? And it's coupled with, and these are all things I'm happy to give you for the show notes. Um, a really cool free tool called the Via Institute on Character. It's their strength and character strengths assessment. It's different from Clifton strengths and Gallup's strengths and all that. But it looks at these 24 different strengths. They're clustered into virtues. And if, it, again, that fluency, like, well, what did you do to make it happen? I don't know. Like, right. I, I don't know how to explain what that is. Yeah. Um, but if you can say, oh, I use my character strength of humor, or I use my character strength of kindness, or I use my character strength of, of social intelligence, um, whatever those things are, then you can start seeing that you have control over these things. Well, and even that you ha you have them. For some people, yeah. they're like, yeah. you know, you're saying that you what have are you a, good at? They're like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's character of strength. It's yeah. like n no one ever put that into words yeah. probably before for them. So that that can initiate that broaden and build approach, you know, and then then you can start taking on the bigger things and um, and and honoring. And I think this is a big thing too. Is like honoring the fact that trying new things uh, comes with uh, um, it comes with dis discomfort. I call it challenge stress, or it's called challenge stress. I call it strategic discomfort. Like, you just need to honor the fact that, like, I'm trying something new. This is weird, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, for yeah. example, for me lately, it's been stand-up comedy. I've I've emceed hundreds of events, right? And I've been on stage professional speaking for a decade now. So, like, I have an incredible amount of um, life history or life experience of just doing that. I started playing more directly, intentionally with stand-up comedy, and the first few times I did it was terribly clunky. And some people would say it still is. And to those people, I would say, "Shut up! Um, don't come you to the shows this. if you want. Don't yeah. bring my happiness index down." Thank you. Um, but I've worked on the craft, right? And so incrementally, I've gotten better at yeah. it and better at it. I've had some big breakthroughs, and those are bigger steps. And 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 that's I think what life can look like. And it's also, it's not linear. Like, don't expect progress to feel like it's always two steps forward it's it's not you know it's just how the, how it goes yeah that's that's terrific what um so if people so you you um you had mentioned you work in workplace culture yeah. so how uh how can people avail themselves of those services Ooh, avail very nice that. kind sir nice word he took off a white glove when he did that <laughs> laid a raincoat across the puddle <laughs> Um, they can avail themselves by using the World Wide Web <laughs> services. Yeah, I'm a raging narcissist, so my website is my name, Anthony Poponi. Um, yeah, so um, they can find me there. Anthony, anything that uh, we're at the end of the podcast, is there anything that um, we didn't dive deep enough into that readers ought to know before we part? Um, I, 
you know, one of the things that I think is just really weighing on me pretty heavily lately is this whole community isolation thing. You know, like I, it's really important to me and yeah. I'm really glad to see St. Charles taking it on. I'm curious to see what that, what it looks like on the ground. Um, and I just want to encourage people to like, if, if they feel isolated, it, isolation is really bad for your health. Uh, one of the researchers at the university of Utah or Utah state, I think, um, has been able to equate the physical health effects of isolation and the the equivalent is having the it has the same negative consequences on your health as a 15 cigarette a day smoking oh my goodness think about that right yeah and um and so i think it's really important for people to to like honor that in themselves and um and if you really feel that way it's it's bad for your happiness it's bad for your health you know and uh and so having making those moves to having those relationships where you don't feel isolated can be really hard, you know. And uh, and I, I the relationships that we talked about before, it's like the thing that can affect your happiness most is relationships in this world. Right. Mm. The things that can also be detrimental to your happiness are relationships mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. So like toxic relationships are really hard. And I'm Italian, so if you've got somebody in your life and you need to get rid of them, I know people, um, cash, <laughs> cash transactions only. Um, but leaning into those relationships can be really hard and they take time for like for a life enhancing relationship to be life enhancing. It could take years of right. you know, like trying and yeah. failing and finding the wrong person uh, or joining groups, whatever that stuff is. But it makes me um, it makes me really sad to think about um, people being that lonely. And I've experienced that loneliness. You know, I've experienced depression in my past. Unfortunately, it's not a recurring mental illness for me. But I know what those lows feel like, and I know what isolation and loneliness feels like, and it's a big part of why I moved here. And my life is so much happier because I've done it, and it's hard, you know, and just honor. It's kind of self-fulfilling. I mean, once you get into, once once you start getting isolated, it's oh, yeah. it's hard to crawl back out of yep. that. It's that first kind of step still, well, what am I going to do? I don't know anybody. I don't. I don't have any friends in this community or, you know, my friends have moved away or yep. whatever or, happened. Or even like, you know, dealing with my mom and other seniors in my life because of the yeah. age I am, their friends start to pass on yeah. and they find themselves yeah. in a situation that they're not normally in right. where they don't have anybody really left, mm-hmm. at least no peers or yeah. whatever, you know, so it can be that kind of forced on you, like circumstantial, yeah. Yeah. situational yeah. Situations that put you into that too. Yeah, yeah and Anthony, what's what's a good first step for these folks? I mean, what's oh, the? Man. Um, I don't know if I have a really clear answer on that. I, I mean, I I think if I could just help people people frame it up as just being like making that first step. Yeah, it, there's inertia behind that, yeah. mm-hmm. and you got to do it. You know, and if you're feeling like that's something you need to do, find a way to do it, you know, and make those small steps. And, um, and I, just to layer on one thing that just popped up for me too, in this isolation piece with, you know, our aging population is, uh, AARP did a study on this and they looked at the cost to, is it Medicare or Medicaid that's for the aging population? Medicare. Medicare. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked at the number one, they looked at the top costs to Medicare and they, of course like cancer, huge cost. Uh, cardiopulmonary uh, diabetes um, isolation mm. was in there wow because if, if you're not isolated your mental health declines yeah. right your right. physical health declines you're not taking medica- your medication like all those things are just these outcomes that happen when we get isolated mm-hmm. we sit home and you know we don't do anything as well with ourselves so so I, I wish I had a to go back to your question I wish I had a clearer thing of like 
like this is the thing you should do. I can't I can't tell you what the yeah, thing is the right thing for you. Like yeah. I'm an extrovert. I don't have a hard time like right. stepping into an, a new environment um, and making new friends. Um, but for other people, it's a real it's real hard. You know? Yeah. yeah. This has been fun. Yeah, thanks. And um, I, I love the conversation, yeah. and I wish we could have a part two sometime. Yeah. But um, I think people should get to know you and your work and ask you questions. What yeah. do you think about that, Mr. Extrovert? <laughs> <laughs> I feel happier right now after the podcast. Are you feeling happy? Yeah, I'm happy. I feel like I've gained a percentage point here. Really? You know, it's, a, it's, it's at the cost of my relationship with my family, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm moving up a notch. I'm feeling less guilty about my <laughs> happiness, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Happiness comes in many forms. I actually, a long time ago, I had someone, they broke up with me because I was too perky. Too perky? <laughs> too perky. Isn't yeah. that a good one? That's my favorite one. That's someone yeah. craving loneliness and isolation. I guess right so. Now. Yeah. I, anyway. The only thing I have to add is, I mean, that you both experience benefits from our time together means that I need to just know where to send an invoice. That's right. So thank That's you for right. that. Okay. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, this has been Anthony Paponi, CEO and founder of Focus on the 40, and you've been listening to the Ben Don't Break podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ben Don't Break podcast powered by The Source Weekly. To read, hear, and see more of what we do, go to bensource.com.